0: newspaper since 1971. Bonus time of the Ben Jarowski show. As I speak, it's Friday, November 11th, 2022. Happy Veterans Day to one and all. Here's a headline in the New York Times to give you an idea of what's going on in the world. And it's kind of apropos to what we'll be discussing this story man the new york times i don't want to go on another uh, rant against the new york times and how pathetic their election coverage is but new york times your election coverage is pathetic now you're trying to like change everything for the last three weeks you're trying to brainwash people gaslighting people into thinking that a red wave was about to drench us then when there was no red wave now you're trying to like rewrite history like you weren't predicting it all along like oh yeah we kind of knew so here's a headline vote integrity and abortion shaped result by Nate Cohen. You wouldn't know that vote, integrity, and abortion were even issues. A week ago in the New York Times, it was all, the red wave's about to descend. America's afraid. They're very afraid of crime and inflation. Red wave. MAGA's going to elect all these election deniers. Wake up and it wasn't a red wave at all. Abortion was a huge issue. That's another thing. They try to tell us abortion's not an issue. Kansas, the referendum happened. What was it, like three months ago? Oh, that was so three months ago, Ben. Portion's not an issue. Pfft. I am so sick and tired of the New York Times political coverage. Right? I'm going to stop picking on the New York Times. Still subscribe to the newspaper, having said all that. I have two distinguished guests on hand. I'm going to bring them on, as we do with all distinguished guests on the Ben Jorowski show. I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So I'm going to ask a distinguished guest whose first two letters in her first name are A-L. To introduce yourself. Go.
1: Hi, y'all. My name is Alicia Hurtado. I'm with the Chicago Abortion Fund as their movement manager. Um, and I'm super excited to be here, talk about the work that Chicago Abortion Fund does um, and talk about abortion. Because as you just said, Ben, abortion is something that's on a lot of people's minds. Abortion's popular, it's common, and it's healthcare, and we're fighting to protect it.
0: I love that introduction. Yes, it's on people's, but don't pretend like it's not, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, distinguished guests who's doing her Jimmy Hendrix imitation, uh, whose first letters are A-N. Introduce yourself.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm Andrea Bunch, and I produced a fundraising concert called Covers for Cover, and this year we're raising funds for the fabulous Chicago Abortion Fund.
0: Yes. And so I'm... Twofold fold here uh, to discuss the issue uh, and also help promote uh, this fundraiser. Uh, and Andrea Bunch is a great musician. She's a guitar player extraordinaire. Uh, I think of her as acoustic guitar player because most of the songs I've seen her sing are uh, with acoustic guitar. But, folks, if you could see this, I'm going to take a picture of this, guys. Because you guys, I just want to take a picture of Andrea with that guitar uh, and uh, Alicia with those super cool headphones. <laughs> um, there we go. Uh, so she's got her electric guitar strapped up, and that's why I said she's going to do her Jimi Hendrix thing. Uh, but I don't care which one of you. Uh, just Let's just get the the basics, the who, what, and where on the promotion of this covers to covers. So Andrea or Alicia, I don't care. Whoever knows the most about it, take it away. I'll talk about the when and the where. Go ahead.
2: I can certainly talk about the show that's coming up. So we have um, two shows, December 9th, Friday night, there's a live stream on Covers for Cover YouTube, and December 10th, there's a live show at Lincoln Hall uh, that starts at 6 o'clock, and those two shows are both fundraising for Chicago Abortion Fund. Um, All of the acts are uh, girl-powered acts. We've got 13 acts on Saturday night, and Friday night is still shaping up, but I think there's 10 to 15 acts coming in on Friday night as well in the live stream. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have folks come on out to Lincoln Hall and visit us on YouTube and and support the work of the Chicago Abortion Fund. And it's a huge celebration. We've been doing it for 14 years, bringing together trans, non-binary, cis women artists. And we raise funds for Chicago women and girls in need. We have a good time.
0: And uh, before I ask you to play a song uh, to give people a sense of what uh, the sound will be like. Uh, at Lincoln Hall on December 10th. I think I got that right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Alicia, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what the Chicago Abortion Fund is so they'll know what the money is going to that they're raising?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Um, I feel like when people hear Chicago Abortion Fund, they already have part of it down. So Chicago Abortion Fund, we fund abortions. That is what we do. But um, just to kind of break that down a little bit more. So we provide financial support um, that's directly paying for um, folks appointments costs um, for their abortion care. We also provide logistical support and this is kind of the biggest bucket in that that means transportation, lodging, meals, any childcare, support with lost wages, um, really anything you could think of that might stand as a barrier for someone to even show up to their appointment to be able to pay for it. And then um, kind of the last piece of support we provide is emotional support. And that's just part of that is just Talking with people in an affirming way, letting them know that we affirm their decision, we affirm their choice, um, and we do that without judgment. And we're here to talk and listen, most importantly, to folks, um, especially when they maybe don't have anyone else in their life that they feel like can listen to them or listen to what they're going through. Um, And then also we provide kind of further emotional support resources to every single one of our callers. And um, I think the the biggest thing I would want to highlight about our work, something that I'm really proud about, is that we have not turned away a single caller since 2019, since House Bill 40 was implemented here in Illinois. Um, and we don't want to turn away a single caller um, in the future. And We know that that is getting tougher and tougher, and I'm sure we'll get into kind of the post-Dobbs, post row landscape on that, but super appreciative to all The support we've seen, and hoping that that support is sustained as we're kind of looking into this new future. That is huge! Wow,
0: yeah, that was a great riff, by the way. Uh, HB 40, uh, the, the bill that Alicia alluded to, uh, passed uh, this 2019 that eliminated the eradicated the uh, the trigger law. Actually, it was before 2019 that it passed. What am I saying? 2017, I've lost track of time, ladies and gentlemen. But so that's how. Close, Illinois was to outlawing abortion. Uh, if that law hadn't passed on the books, uh, there was a law that said if uh, the Supremes uh, overruled Roe, abortion would go back to being illegal in the state of Illinois. Uh, that, in other words, they would treat each uh, pregnated, uh, uh egg, infertilized egg, uh, as or as a living being. And I'm, hey man, that's the law. It was on the books. I'm not making this stuff up. And uh, HB forty overruled it, so. Um, kind of a precarious state here, uh, even in Illinois. Do you raise your hand? Do you want to say something before I kick it to Andrea?
1: Yeah, and if I, if I may, about House Bill 40, one of the reasons why the passage of that bill really transformed the way we do our work at the Chicago Abortion Fund is not only because kind of forward-looking. We were like, okay, Illinois has more protection in in the case of what we know now to be reality of, of row falling, but also the fact that it allowed for Illinois Medicaid to pay for abortion care in the state of Illinois. And just thinking about the way that we were then able to mobilize our resources, help folks, more folks coming from out of state, help all of the folks who reached out to us for support. It's just a testament to the fact that, you know, legality is something that does block a lot of people from access, but it's not the ceiling. It's it's really just where we're getting started in terms of making sure people have access to abortion care.
0: That was huge. The Medicaid provision. Because one of the big failings of, in my humble opinion, of the uh, reproductive rights movement in this country is they allowed the Hyde Amendment to pass. This is long before either of my guests were born. This is ancient political history. This is the 1970s, but they they they, they capitulated in the face. Uh, Alicia of the uh, anti-abortion movement, and they allowed a provision to pass that no federal funds be used uh, for abortion, which is a ridiculous provision to make. If you believe in a woman's right to choose, then it should be. If you believe this is essentially a medical decision between a woman and her doctor, then if it's you have to have a Medicaid uh, part of it because otherwise it would only be wealthy women who could get it. Uh, an abortion, so it's like a if it is a basic medical right, Alicia, and you're not allowing poor people to get it, then it's not a basic medical right, and you, that concession, you know, when I look back, Alicia, at all the bad decisions my beloved Democrats have made down through the years, that's one that really still gnaws at me. It's forty freaking years, I still haven't gotten over it. But HB forty, you're absolutely correct. At least in Illinois, I allowed for Medicaid funds to be used for abortions.
2: Hmm.
0: all right so we're going to turn things over to andrea and we're give you a sample of what to expect when you go to see uh the concert on december 10th so andrea why don't you introduce the song you're going to play go ahead
2: all right well first ben i'm going to give you a little a little taste of the band i'm covering So uh, we got a a dude who grew up near Chicago that we love very much, and I definitely need my whole band to play these songs, but if anybody recognizes this stuff so we'll get a bunch of rage against the machine in my set (laughs) right now though a song i can't play you all of is an arrangement i made of a beautiful Joni mitchell song called uh magdalene laundries i kind of turned it into a good time saturday night tune Definitely different than Joni's arrangement. (laughs) Here we go. I was an unmarried girl, just turned 27. When they sent me to the sisters for the way men looked at me, branded as a Jezebel, I knew I was not bound for heaven, I'd be cast in shame in the Magdalene laundries. Most girls come here pregnant some by their own fathers Bridget got that belly by her parish priest We're trying to get things white as snow all of us woe-begotten daughters in the steaming stains of the Magdalene laundries. Prostitutes and destitutes and temptresses like me. Fallen women sentenced into dreamless drudgery. Why do they call this heartless place Our Lady of Charity or oh, Charity? these bloodless brides of Jesus if they just once glimpse their wounds then they know and they drop the stones concealed behind their rosaries they wilt the grass they walk upon they leech the light out of a room they like to drive us down the drain in the magdalene laundry Peg O'Connell died today. She was a cheeky girl, a flirt, and they stuffed her in a hole. Surely to God you think at least some bells should ring. One day I'm gonna die here too, and they'll plant me in the dirt. Like some lame bulb that never blooms, come any spring, not any spring. Not any spring Hallelujah spring not any spring
0: all right Uh, well done uh, Andrea Bunch and uh, why don't you just give the background of that song and and the story ultimately uh, that uh, Joni Mitchell was telling And you did such a great job of
2: Yeah, so uh, the Magdalene Laundries were in Ireland and uh, institutions usually run by uh, Roman Catholic orders, and they operated from the 18th to the late 20th centuries. And they were um, ostensibly to house, air quotes, fallen women. um, About... 30,000 women are estimated to have been confined in those institutions. And in 1993, a mass grave containing 155 corpses um, was uncovered when um, the convent sold it to a real estate developer. And that's one of the ways that the whole thing started to come out. So um, it it was just another example of of women and young women and unmarried women and poor women um, not being allowed to choose what to do with their lives and their bodies. And they were, um, they were slaves, essentially.
0: I give Joni Mitchell a lot of credit. Uh, I didn't realize it was 1983 that that revelation of those grave sites. Uh, yeah,
2: 1993.
0: 93, my bad, 93. 93. And, like and so that recent. song by Joni Mitchell I think, from the 70s, the early 70s. So.
2: She wrote it in the 90s.
0: Oh, she did? Man, she I don't did, know anything. Yeah. Are you sure about that?
2: Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> I thought it was the
0: 70s. It, she Oops. tells a
2: great story about being, um, she never picks up newspapers, and she picked uh-huh. up the newspaper one day, and uh, she saw the story. And she had been trying to write a happy song, and there went her happy song, or so she tells the story, <laughs> and it turned into Magdalene Laundrie's.
0: Wow. Man, I didn't, I thought it was the 70s. Uh, I was like, gosh, she was way ahead of her time. She and did. now it turns out she's just she reading did. the newspaper. Uh, but it's a great song anyway, a very sad song. And uh, check out Philomena, the movie, which tells yeah. uh, the story of the Magdalene laundries. Um, all right, uh, Alicia, so uh, part of the, the, the message buried uh, in that uh, song is that women who get pregnant are, are shamed. And, um, that this is a humiliation and embarrassment. Women who are not married, I should say, who get pregnant are shamed. It's a humiliation and embarrassment. And one thing I like about the Chicago abortion fund, uh, is like, there's no shame, uh, to needing an abortion. And, and that's a point, uh, that, uh, Alicia, that I've heard pretty much everybody ever, uh, ever, ever talked to associated with the Chicago abortion fund, uh, just really accentuate that point. So why don't you take that a little uh, deeper? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that something that the antis are counting on is that people feel like they can't tell their stories. And um, there's been some really amazing campaigns um, by people who have had abortions, thinking about We Testify is a really amazing group. Um, Hashtag Shout Your Abortion was a movement um, of just people reclaiming their stories, reclaiming their experiences and their abortion stories as um, a part of their lives and a part of their um, journeys. And I think that it's really important. um, One thing that I think, I mean, we can dig into the elections um, even more, but just kind of thinking about the fact that, you know, abortion is common. And I think that's something that I always emphasize to folks when when I'm talking about abortion is it's First of all, it's it's okay to have an abortion. It's not a shameful thing. It shouldn't be stigmatized. It's just healthcare. Um, and even beyond that, abortion is extremely common. One in four pregnant people will have an abortion in their lifetime, and that number has actually decreased over time. So it's not like abortion is something that's rare. Many people have had abortions. I assure you that every single person listening to this right now knows someone who knows and loves someone who has had an abortion. Um, They just might not have told you about it yet. And I think that that is something that we're very cognizant of at the Chicago Abortion Fund. Um, We are all people who are in a community of people who have had abortions, people who have very close loved ones who have had abortions, because that's everyone. Everyone loves someone who's had an abortion, and I can't really state that enough.
0: I'm going to take it one step further, Alicia, and get your thoughts on this. Uh, I don't believe, I can't read their minds, but I don't believe the uh, anti-abortion people really believe the rhetoric they say. And Exhibit A that I will present to you is the uh, Republican candidate uh, for Senate in the state of Georgia. His name is Herschel Walker. We have talked a lot about him on the show, uh, and it turns out that he probably paid for at least one abortion. He claims he didn't do it, but the proof, the evidence uh, uh, that's come forth sure looks like he paid for the abortion. Now, this is a guy who uh, swears up and down. He, he every, every life is sacred. He's a f- a fundamentally against abortion. And all the abortion uh, foes in the country are championing him. And yet the dude apparently paid for an abortion. I will say this to you right now. I have no proof. I believe Donald Trump probably has paid for a few abortions. I, d- just listening to how he brags about how he lived his life, Alicia, in the 60s and the 70s, I don't know how he could avoid it. So why don't you talk a little bit about the contradiction there between what people say they believe in and how they actually live their life? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what you're pulling at here is the fact that the quote unquote pro-life platform is not pro-life at all. And that's why we don't call it that. We call it the the anti-abortion platform. Um, and I think the the one thing is we can talk all day about the hypocrisy of even just, folks who are anti-abortion claiming the title pro-life because the policies that they're supporting um, ultimately harm people, not only in, in the sense of, you know, banning or restricting abortion care, but also thinking about, you know, people who are um, in, in living in poverty, people who are experiencing systemic racism, like all of these things, trans people, um, queer people, like all of these Lives, these living people are being harmed by the policies that you're backing. So we can even think about the pro life stance as being one that's riddled with contradictions, riddled with hypocrisy. Um, but even beyond that, I think that what we're really getting at is just how tragic it is that a common healthcare procedure has been politicized in the way that it is so that people can ride the coattails of um, a fascist agenda to. to gain power and money for themselves, um, while throwing people who are just trying to access basic healthcare under the bus. Um, and, um, of course what I said before in terms of, you know, abortion is a part of everyone's story, whether they know it or not. Um, and I think that when we really tease apart the way that abortion's been politicized, it is a power grab. It's a way to, um, you know, rile up uh, an opposition to something that is common, that is healthcare, and that um, is just, you know, it's upsetting. It's something that we're seeing the consequences of play out around us um, in terms of this, you know, Christian fascist Supreme Court ruling, the fact that we're seeing um, Republican candidates running on abortion. I mean, even in Illinois, we can think about our governor's race, thank God, <laughs> Jv Pritzker um, came through, but, you know, his opposition was all about abortion. And that was an issue that, you know, we're seeing people politicize for their own gain. And I think that um, when that's attached to stigma, when that's attached to disinformation, um, ultimately at the end, it's hurting people and it's going to be contradictory.
0: Uh, yeah. And to that, uh, that list of crucial, uh, victories in the last, uh, Tuesday's election, I would add the two state Supreme court seats. Uh, the, the, the Supreme court was four to three Democrat when election night began. If the Republicans had won those two seats, uh, they were in a position to pretty much strike down a uh, laws, uh, that, uh, Legalize abortion, a legalized Medicaid support for abortion. Probably the first thing they'd go after was parental notification. Uh, Alicia, so if uh, like a 14 year old gets pregnant, like somebody in the song that Andrea just sang gets pregnant, uh, she would need the approval of a parent before she can get an abortion, which I think is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And we passed that law, uh, striking down parental notification. I guarantee you that would have been. Um, the first thing they went after because they think that's the easiest that's, that, that's the easiest to build up opposition to somehow or other people feel that a parent should be involved in their kids' lives it's one thing to say yes they should be but they if, to give them that authority in my humble opinion uh, is um, detrimental to the health, well-being of the child to the kid who got pregnant uh, so they would have gone after that so it seems like uh, it seems like the electorate, uh, understands this issue, the significance of this issue. Uh, that's my read of it. What's your read?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I would completely agree with you in that we saw those five races across the country, um, that were specific to abortion access. You know, people were voting in some cases to enshrine abortion rights on their constitution. There were two, um, Ballot measures that were more defensive ballot measures, but in every case, abortion access came through. Um, People support abortion. Abortion is a abortion access is popular. People want that, Um, and I think that that's something that our very loud minority opposition um, tries to cover with their loudness, but it's just not the case. We see that play out um, in our elections, and we saw that play out in Illinois. Um, I think too something that is really important to keep in mind with Illinois specifically is just again that kind of loud minority they're they're already making those moves trying to get in place what you mentioned about PNA there were already lawsuits filed waiting to be um, pushed through if Republicans won the um, Supreme Court ma- like majority of the Supreme Court and um I think what we on you know the, pro-abortion side have been doing is just trying to um, get ahead of that. And I know at the Chicago Abortion Fund, we've been prepping for the fall of Roe for years now. We have been rigging that alarm, knowing it was coming, seeing the ways that states around us were mobilizing bans and restrictions um, and different you know, barriers that folks would have to face to get care. Um, we saw you know, as the Supreme Court was leaning further and further right, um, that that was a, a huge reality. And um, even just to kind of circle back um, on a very s- kind of small protection, which is repealing PNA, that we were able to um, push through. Um, we were working on that campaign along with a lot of other um, advocates statewide. And I think that something that is highlighted in that is that you know, people who are the most vulnerable or the most marginalized are always going to be hit harder with these restrictions. Um, and in tho- in many of those cases, people either can't vote, youth can't vote <laughs> their way out of um, the, the barriers that they're facing, or, you know, that we are seeing a lot of disenfranchisement across the country for marginalized folks. Um, and when we think about protecting youth with the PNA or repeal of the PNA rather. um, That's just a question of, you know, who is, who are the youth that don't want to involve their parents? You know, those are youth that would be blocked to getting the care that they want if they told their parents, because already youth don't have the resources many times um, or the logistical ease of being able to, to get themselves to appointments easily. um, And, most of the time are, are looping in a trusted adult, um, whether that's their parents or someone else in their lives. And I think that that kind of, um, kind of micro example of youth in Illinois or youth coming to Illinois, which is important because now that a lot of folks are coming to Illinois, imagine having to go through parental notification on top of having to travel across state lines, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but once we kind of zoom in on, OK, what does it mean for youth to have the the option of who to include within their healthcare decisions when it comes to abortion care that is so stigmatized, um, we see that, you know, the less restrictions that we have, the more that those who are most marginalized are going to be able to access care just like anyone else who isn't in those situations or circumstances. Um, and, yeah, I think that, you know... Going back to, like, does the electorate understand this? I think that um, everyone who's on the pro-abortion side is trying to do a, a, the the hard task of really articulating, um, you know, what's at stake? Like, what's our next move? What are we protecting? But it's not hard to sway people because abortion's popular. You know what I mean? So I think that's it's more about getting information to people in speaking louder than our very loud opposition and making sure that people aren't, um, being private in their support of abortion or like, Oh yes, I support it. I'll vote for it, but I'm not going to talk about it. We don't, we don't say the A word. Um, I think just kind of, um, you know, breaking past that and being just as loud, just as unapologetic in our views because at the end of the day, what are we for? We're for healthcare. We're for people having bodily autonomy and none of that is shameful. Um, so the support, is there we just have to you know mobilize people and energize people to be, really be loud about it. Right. And like like you said, everyone
2: knows and loves someone who has had an abortion and who has whose life would have been so terribly affected if they couldn't. You know, and yeah, this show and this fundraising concert is also about being loud and raising our voices and support of it. Um, Not just the artists getting up and raising their fabulous voices and all the covers they're going to play, but also putting the name up there. All these artists saying, hey, we are supporting the Chicago Abortion Fund because we care about this. And for, for me, I can't do the kind of work Ben does. I can't do the kind of work Alicia does, but I can produce a concert I can play music I can you know use my voice and so I thought how could I use what I can do in service of what needs to be done and helping protect our rights here and it's a it feels fantastic to use whatever each of us can do to mobilize and keep moving
1: forward with this and speaking about it
0: Alicia and Andrea oh go ahead I didn't mean to cut you off go ahead Alicia oh
1: no I was just that kind of brought something up for me and that um just Even beyond kind of uh, a a political stance, taking a firm political stance and a public political stance, also just thinking about the way that being public about your support for abortion is helping your community, helping the folks around you who might be facing barriers in accessing abortion care or might need support in accessing abortion care. um, And they know that you're someone that they can turn to. Um, And I think that that's really something that we see on our helpline in that, you know, certainly not all folks but because i mean an abortion is expensive so we people sometimes ask like oh like what's the typical caller that you see on your helpline there's no typical caller um you probably couldn't find like i i tell people like would you today have 800 dollars 1000 dollars 2000 dollars to spend on an, a healthcare procedure that your insurance is not covering um, and that kind of just opens people's eyes to the fact that so many people are facing barriers to abortion care. But I digress. Um, the The thing that the, your comments, Andrea, called up is just that, um, you know, people are facing so much and not sure who to turn to. Many people aren't sure who in their community would be supportive, um, aren't sure um if they ask for resources, ask for a ride, ask for childcare, if that person would then shun them or deny them resources or, um, you know, ridicule them. And even um, thinking back just last week, I had I was speaking with a caller on our helpline who, um, once I reached her, she let me know that that day... She went to what she thought was a clinic to get an ultrasound, um, and it ended up being a fake abortion clinic. What we call crisis pregnancy centers, um, and they're all over the country. They're funded by the state. They they access the same kind of healthcare funding as any other clinic, but they're spreading misinformation, spreading lies, shaming people um, if they do want to access abortion care. Um, and we have CPCs here in Illinois. Um, and a lot of the times um, they you look up on their website and they say they talk about abortion on their website. They talk about um, the quote unquote abortion reversal pill, which is something that is not medically backed. Um, they talk about, you know, having referrals and resources for folks. Um, and they they seem like something that is there to help folks in accessing whatever type of reproductive care they need, but they turn out to be, um, very traumatizing and stigmatizing. And she said that she was trapped there for almost four hours. They wouldn't let her leave. Um, and just talking to me, she said, I know it was, it was heartbreaking to hear. And, you know, the way that she was talking to me and just being like, I'm so glad I was able to get in contact with you. I'm so glad that, you know, I'm able to go to this a clinic that I know is an actual abortion clinic, talk to people who are actually going to be supporting me. Um, I think that Right now, people, especially um, as she was, she was based out of state in a state with an abortion ban, Um, and she wasn't sure if she was going to find support. She wasn't sure how she was going to make this work, and she was just able to ask me questions, ask for support, Um, and I was able to give her support without any sort of judgment. And um, I think while I love my job and I love being able to be a resource for people when I, in my dream world, um, the Chicago abortion fund wouldn't need to exist. Um, not only because there's no legal restrictions to abortion, not only because abortion would be free and accessible, but also because people wouldn't be facing that stigma and would only be facing support and love and open arms um, for whatever decisions that they're making.
0: And, uh, so at the moment, there's a sense that this election uh, was a victory, a triumph uh, for the abortion rights movement. Uh, as I said to you before we went on the air, Alicia, I hope people don't get too deep into that, because generally, what happens is people of the left of center persuasion, or they fall asleep. One little win. It, and they just go to sleep. And uh, I saw this happen big time. Big, big, big time. Anybody who listens to my show knows where I'm going to go with this. In 2008, Barack Obama won. And every lefty and liberal in this country went sound asleep. Oh, we got Barack Obama. We He's just going to make everything good in our country. And in two years, the Republicans had a huge election triumph. In those midterms of 2010, and we're still trying to get out of that, Alicia, in state after state, including your beloved Texas. Alicia's from Texas. We're going to get in that a little bit. We're still trying to get out of that. In Wisconsin, Michigan finally flipped its uh, its statehouse legislative seats with a loss of 210 because all you liberals out there fell asleep, intoxicated with Barack Obama, in love with Barack Obama so <laughs>
2: sorry it's good about for that. me to hear Ben it's good uh, no but it's true it's
0: how I feel it's like I when liberals fall asleep sad things happen I shouldn't throw lefties in there because lefties are pretty much always on guard but liberals fall asleep at the drop of a hat I'm tired I want to watch succession on tv tonight uh so uh Alicia why don't you um why don't you address that and talk uh, to our beloved liberal listeners who are ready to fall asleep, that this fight is by no means over. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I mean definitely don't fall asleep just yet. Maybe don't fall asleep ever. I feel like we're always going to have to be fighting, fighting for something here. But um, just to kind of give a sense of where we're at as the Chicago Abortion Fund, what we're thinking of um, is that you know we just saw great wins, um, both in the state of Illinois, um, but also thinking about Michigan enshrining abortion access on their, in their constitution. Um, that was something that was really troubling for us as we knew they had a ban that was blocked, a ban on the books. And now that, that ban is fundamentally unconstitutional based on their, um, state constitution. And, you know, you think Michigan, um, what is the closest state to Michigan? Where will folks from Michigan go to get abortions? It's pretty much going to be Illinois. People are going to be coming to Illinois. And we're already seeing such an influx of folks coming to this state. Wait times for folks getting care in Illinois are higher. Clinics are overburdened. We're helping um, more folks than ever. I mean, we support Around 200 people each week. Back in 2018, we supported less than that in a whole year. You know what I mean? So we've just been seeing this this boom of growth. I mean, some of that has been due to um, the pandemic. Folks just um, from then, like there's there's been a lot of economic hardship that we've been seeing on our helpline. Um, people need support and resources for a whole host of reasons, including um, you know bans and blocks of abortion care but also because of everything else you need to actually get your abortion um but that being said you know we we won with Michigan we we are hoping um that you know in other states where there are bans that have been blocked that those bans eventually are found unconstitutional by their state constitution but um at the end of the day it's a waiting game right now. We know that it's up to the states. And so we just kind of have to wait to see how the chips fall. And for us, um, we're already seeing such an influx of folks needing support. Um, And I mean, I I could get into all the numbers of things, but I feel like that's boring just for people to listen to. But let me just not, um, let me just say that I, I, I can't overstate how costly and complex the cases that we're getting are not only are there more people coming to Illinois, but they're traveling from further distances, having to figure out um, longer transportation routes, time off work, figuring out what to do with their kids, because most people who get abortions already are parenting, um, figuring out um, where to stay, all of that is just um, weighing on folks. And on our side, we're doing what we can. Um, The way that our funding works is that we um, connect with people, one person to a case manager. They have that kind of individualized support. We're with people from when they call us to when they get the care that they need. Um, But that journey has just gotten way more expensive and way more complex. Um, And I think that for folks to, it's it's hard to articulate um, just how. Um, I don't know if I can curse. Am I allowed to yeah, curse you're on this podcast? Every word has been
0: said on this show. Go ahead. <laughs> all
1: right, all right. I'm. I just. I mean, it's just so hard to articulate how fucked everything is, and how you know organizations like the Chicago Abortion Fund and you know the. Network of a hundred abortion funds across the country. We're doing what we can to step in and fill those cracks, um, but those cracks very well might widen. We don't know what, what the the aftermath of Roe is going to look like because it's purposefully uncertain where it's not enshrined. This isn't an enshrined right. And we're fighting to change that, but we're also fighting to get people to care that they needed in this moment. Um, so it's really, really important for people to not go to sleep, to support local grassroots organizations that are filling those cracks, like abortion funds and, and independent clinics and abortion providers. Um, and as well as doing that, that, that work that We've all been doing in terms of getting out on the street, making sure our um, politicians and lawmakers understand that abortion is not an issue you can you can leave to the side um, so I think there's a lot for folks to be doing right now um, for me, I'm always gonna say um, just because I see the the need that people are having right now, and I'm you know talking to people every week who are traveling long distances who are facing huge gaps financially in terms of getting that care is that, you know, I I know that resources aren't scarce. I know that we we have what we need to get everyone the care that they need. We just have to know where to put those resources. And I'm telling you right now, abortion funds, um, I some of the most amazing people I've ever met is at a national convening of abortion funds from across the country. So get to know your local abortion fund. Mm-hmm. One thing people can do, too, is uh, donate to the Chicago Abortion Fund.
2: So uh, Covers for Cover, we have a sponsorship level at $500. And I'm going to name our sponsors because I'm so grateful for them. All these folks have given $500. The money goes uh, through Covers for Covers' page on the Chicago Abortion Fund's website. All the money goes directly to the Chicago Abortion Fund. Uh, the Attractivators Salon is a sponsor. Abstract Lee Art. Braganza Law, Vital Body Wellness, Susan Pritzker, Andy, and Katie Wesley. And we have two anonymous sponsors as well. So if anybody would like to sponsor anonymously or with your name, we're here for that. Um, If you go to Instagram or YouTube at Chicago Abortion Fund or at Covers for Cover and on Facebook as well, you can find a place to sponsor or donate anything you can to help make up these gaps. the more complex and the longer it takes for people to figure this out, the more expensive and difficult the whole process becomes. So please, please donate. You can buy tickets to the show and that all is also part of the fundraising, but you can also just donate directly to um, covers for cover through to who gives it all to Chicago abortion fund.
0: All right. Very good. We're going to close with uh, another song uh, from Andrea uh, to sort of tell you what to, to expect. But before we do that, I'm going to put uh, Alicia in a really uncomfortable position because that's what we do to our guests on the Ben Jarowski show. We put them in an uncomfortable position. (laughs) So uh, she uh, made the mistake of telling me she's from Texas uh, when we were chatting before we came on the show. And uh, the first time I'm like, man, what is with Texas? Because Dobbs, uh, the ruling Dobbs, essentially, uh, as Alicia was getting at, threw the decision back to the States in terms of what uh, is legal with regards to abortion. And Texas had are already shown where, where, it, where it was at with one of the most uh, antediluvian, uh, ugly, repulsive anti-abortion laws I can imagine, which uh, could cause all kinds of insanity uh, by uh, turning people into uh, bounty hunters, going after folks who were trying to uh, help a woman get an abortion. Um, so that effectively was an issue on the ballot, And then Texans had a choice. They could have voted for the really harsh, restrictive, hypocritical, nasty, repulsive, ugly abortion law and Gregory Abbott. Or they could vote for a change uh, in these laws uh, with Beto O'Rourke. And I'm sad to say the voters of Texas, in their infinite wisdom, voted roughly, I think it was 56 percent, Alicia, I can't remember. Remember exactly for Gregory Abbott uh, and uh, their Magdalene laundry-like abortion laws. Just a little explaining of what's the matter with Texas. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could single-handedly say. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like from my experience living in Texas, so I remember. When Beto ran in 2018, and I remember all of my friends being so excited. This is gonna—I I always say this is gonna age me, but it's gonna age me in a young way. But my—the first election I ever voted in was voting for Beto O'Rourke in 2018, um, and so I was ecstatic to support him as a candidate. I think that where I was kind of seeing this progressive movement start to be built after Trump's election in 2016, those building blocks aren't gone in Texas. There are amazing organizers doing work in Texas. They're just fighting a really uphill battle, and it's a slow one. And we're going to have to just trust and resource folks in Texas to be doing that work. I think that that is kind of my big takeaway. Um, Something that I saw um, earlier this morning was that when eight years ago, Abbott had won by 20 points. Back in 2018, he won by 13 points. And then this time it was only 11 points, which of course, it's still devastating to think that he is in office. But those margins are getting smaller and smaller. And we know as more people, young people are voting as more folks. I mean, the only demographic that Greg Abbott won was White people. <laughs> so I think that one thing to think about is how do we, you know, mobilize people from marginalized groups to vote, but also how do we make sure that people know that not only are they going to vote, but they're also going to get their communities resourced. And I think that's always like a, a conversation that we have to be having because. People have been screwed over by politicians since time immemorial and that we need to be building that trust, especially in a state like Texas, where people for so long have been left behind and people for so long have, you know, just not gotten the resources that they needed um, and feel like it's hopeless. Um, And I think that the progressive movement in Texas is really trying to wake people up. And you, I mean, even all the way over here in Chicago, like I felt that excitement, um, about Beto. I felt the excitement for my friends that were still there. Um, and I think that just kind of building upon that is going to be important because it's, it's abortion rights, it's trans youth and trans lives. It's, um, you know, queer people, um, people of color, all, everyone is, is, Right now, being screwed over by, by Texas. And I think that for me, as someone who grew up there, it's so hard to hear people be like, well, screw Texas, they should secede, like, people should move from Texas. And it's like, you know, A, a lot of people don't have the resources to leave, but there's also such a beautiful progressive movement in Texas that is really putting in the work. Um, and trying to to salvage what's going on right now trying to mobilize people and turn things around. So my heart goes out to everyone in Texas. I know I myself was my mom was like texting me like I'm not looking you just text me when all the votes are counted like I can't do this um and you know it's tough and and people are really trying to put everything um into into turning things around in Texas and you, that progress is slow but I just got to believe that the progress will will eventually um Mean that, you know, people people are getting the the resources that they need, and and we can get Greg Abbott out of office, but also whoever comes after him.
0: I'm with you in that, and I actually go in the other direction. Uh, I remember when uh, Adobs came down uh, and uh, Texas enacted its insane uh, anti-abortion laws. And uh, J.B. Pritzker and uh, Mayor Lightfoot were saying, hey, Texans, move to Illinois or move to Chicago. We have good uh, uh, abortion laws. And I'm like, no. How about this? How about taking half of of, uh, Berkeley and moving it to Austin? Just think about it. half, you know what, let's just write, write Florida off. So let's take like whatever liberal, you know a little Florida better than I do, Alicia. So whatever liberal enclave they have in Florida, move them to Dallas.
1: But you know, they're, they're building that power there. Like I, I really see it. And I see so many people I grew up with that are, that used to be like, oh, voting, it's never going to matter anyway. I mean, I I grew up in D- Tarrant County, um, technically Uh, the DFW Metroplex for you Texans out there, even though I know Texas makes up words and Metroplex isn't actually a real thing, which I learned (laughs) when I got to Illinois. I was like, yeah, I'm from the Metroplex. (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, we we grew up in a very conservative county. And it's, um, if I remember right from some... NPR article I read a million years ago. It's like the last conservative stronghold in a a suburban area, like in a metropolitan area right outside the city. Um, And so just kind of thinking about the fact that Growing up, I always heard around me like, you know what, our vote doesn't matter anyway. Or like, you know what, like nothing's ever going to change, so we shouldn't do anything. To people really being mobilized around gun violence, around, um, you know, the rising fascism with Trump's election. um, You know, just seeing the ways that we actually could, we actually didn't have a choice, but to, to start Moving things forward and using the resources that we had to make change, I, I, I really gotta just believe that Texas is moving in that direction. Um, and, you know, even beyond that, I think we think about the the buses of undocumented immigrants that they're bussing up to Chicago. We think, and even back to your point on SB eight, how at the Chicago abortion fund all the way here in Illinois, we've been flying people from Texas consistently since SBA came through all the way to Illinois. And it's like, these policies just aren't sustainable. They're putting people in harm's way. They're making people travel long distances um, just to be treated like humans. Um, And I think that that's just not going to stand.
0: Well put. Uh, All right, Andrea, uh, let's close it down with another song. So introduce the song and take it away.
2: All right, everybody. So we're, um, the show is uh, December 9th on YouTube and December 10th at Lincoln Hall. You can get tickets on Lincoln Hall's website to Covers for Cover. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Covers for Cover and at Chicago Abortion Fund. And um, I'm just going to let you know all the amazing cover bands that you'll hear at Lincoln Hall that night Beastie Boys, Fiona Apple, Rage Against the Machine, Amy Winehouse, Neil Young. Clamor and and Lace Noise Brigade is going to play Pop Divas Um, Alanis Morissette Adele, Pat Benatar Turn Up the Volume is going to do a dance party Sarah Ratcliffe will teach us some moves Motley Crue and Lizzo So (laughs) it's an amazing fun lineup and I'm going to play a Cyndi Lauper song that was written in 1993 called Sally's Pigeons since we're talking about covers today When I was eight I had a friend with a pirate smile Make believe and play pretend innocent and wild Hop the fence and slam the gate Running down my alleyway In time to watch Sally's pigeons fly We love to watch them dive and soar, circle in the sky. Free as a bird from three to four, and never knowing why. Neighbors pulled their wash back in. I put away my Bobby and Ken and look out overhead while Sally's pigeons fly. I had a fool's confidence that the world had no boundaries. But instincts and common sense come in different quantities, my heart began to skip to the beat of the boy next door, she had her eye across the street on someone shy and tall, We lived our dreams and challenged fate In tears she told me she was late And Sally let his pigeons out to fly The dresser sits a frame with a photograph. Two little girls in ponytails, some 21 years back. She left one night with just a nod, was lost from some back alley job. I close my eyes and Sally's pigeons fly. She never saw those birds again. And me, I can't remember when. A pirate smile hasn't made me cry. And Sally let his pigeons out to fly.
0: all right andrea bunch you have a beautiful voice and uh thank it's you very been... much uh for agreeing to come on the show and sing i really appreciate it uh and thanks uh, for we... talking
2: you guys y'all are yeah. amazing i learned a lot listening to you today
0: uh, thank you thank
1: you thank you. uh
0: and alicia keep up the good work uh december 10th lincoln hall huh. Is Lincoln Hall—I'm going to show my ignorance here, and I don't care. How do they spell—is it Lincoln Lincoln, or do they have a funny way of spelling it?
2: Uh, Like Abe, Lincoln. Oh, so
0: it is Lincoln Lincoln. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're so good to us. They're a wonderful place.
0: All right, very cool. I know I'm thinking of that rock band that's like, we're just not going to spell it the way Abraham Lincoln
2: spelled it. You're thinking of the K-I-N Lincoln, right? Yes, Exactly.
0: Exactly. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Alicia, and uh, keep up the good work. And thank you, Andrea, bunch. Well, shout out to Carol Woodworth. I see you, Carol, out there. Uh, she was sort of the brains behind this whole show today.
2: Yes, thank uh, you, Carol.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, she's a quite a singer herself. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. I also want to thank DJ Nate. Did an outstanding job as he do- uh, always does. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.